So um, we are in, uh, we have the last couple weeks of the Gideon series left. Uh, as Bob mentioned, next week we're going to have the kids in the service with us, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And like he mentioned, if you have an attention span uh, d- difficulty, it'll be a great Sunday for you as well. Um, and so I do, and so I'm going to like it too, because I think I'm only preaching for 12 minutes. So yay, get a little vacation time. Okay. Um, we're in the story of Gideon, and what we've been talking about is um, how um, the, the nation of Israel is being oppressed by the Midianites, and this is not by accident. Uh, God gave Israel some uh, really specific advice, <laughs> okay? He said, serve me, things will go well. Serve other gods, not so much. And so the Israelites were like, serve you, it goes well. Other gods, not so much. Uh, we'll serve other gods. And so God said, not so much. And uh, basically punished them for seven years. And then they cried out. And God came to rescue them. And so we've been looking at the story of uh, Gideon. And what we've been calling it is secure the story of God and Gideon. Because not only is God trying to rescue Israel, God has a relationship with Gideon. And hopefully what we've been talking about and seeing over the last few weeks is that Gideon is a lot like you and I. The way he handles things, the way he responds to different things that God says, Gideon is a lot like you and I. And so our hope, as we've been teaching through this series, is that you would learn something about Gideon and you'd also learn something about yourself. But most importantly, you would learn something about your Heavenly Father. And so that's what we've been talking about. And just to give you a little review, Gideon was in a wine press, this kind of walled area, and he was hiding out trying to sift wheat that you'd normally do in the open, but he was doing it in hiding because he didn't want the Midianites to take his stuff. And what we talked about is oftentimes you and I get in that thing where we, we feel like we need to hold on to what we have so that we don't lose it. So that, and, 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 and for some of us, and I know our stories, uh, we've had times in our lives where we did have very, very little. And so I understand that feeling of like, man, I don't want this person to take this and I need this job. And if that, my boss acts this way. And so there's this sense of hiding out when you should be out in the open. And so God shows up to Gideon and says, be at peace, mighty warrior. You know, he's hiding out, and God calls him mighty warrior. And we, what we talked about is that God sees you much differently than you see you. God, God sees things in you. He sees potential in you that you might not see. And he also sees us sometimes if we think we're higher up the food chain than we are, he sees us differently than, than we see us. He, do, he does that as well. But that's where we were. And so uh, God, um, uh, uh, Gideon brings the angel of the Lord some lunch and the angel of the Lord zaps it with his staff and obliterates it. And now Gideon's like, wow, I'm really talking to God here. And so um, he responds with that. And then God tells Gideon to go tear down the, the t- um, altar of Baal that was in the center of town, but with his dad's house. And so he he. He goes at night because he's scared and he takes 10 servants and, um, and, and he tears down the altar of Baal and he puts up the altar to God. And so there's some success in Gideon's life. And then God just goes with the whole thing and says, Gideon, you're going to go wipe out the Midianites. And Gideon does like you and I would do. And Bob talked about this last week. And if you don't, hadn't heard it, uh, check out the podcast. It's a great sermon. Uh, 
he kind of goes like, how can I really be sure? You know, have you ever done that? Or you're looking for like a job or uh, buying a house or a spouse or whatever. And you're thinking to yourself, man, if God would just kind of show me like a little sign or something, or just maybe show up at the door and be like, yeah, anyway, I just want to let you know that is the right job. Have a nice day. I mean, any, anything, right? Well, God does that to Gideon. Gideon says, I, I, I want, I'm going to put out a fleece or this piece of sheep, really, skin, and, uh, and, and he says, I, when I wake up in the morning, I want that to be all filled with water and then the ground around it dry. And so he wakes up in the morning, and he, it says, the Bible says he took it, and he, pulled, and, and he filled up a whole bowl full of water, and everything else was dry. And Gideon did exactly like you and I. He's like, hey, that was awesome. Thanks. I'm almost positive that you want me to do this now. Could we do that one more time, but reverse it, <laughs> right? Could we just make sure, I just want to make sure, because if I'm going to go with my sword drawn into that camp, I want to make really sure that you're going to end up doing this. And God with his unbelievable patience and unbelievable love for Gideon. Even in the face of, of trying to get this thing done, he's try, God's trying to accomplish something. He's trying to get rid of the Midianites so the people of Israel can now worship him again back in their land. He, do, he does it again for Gideon. And Bob talked about that last week. So this week, we're going to finish up the whole rest of the story in one day. Okay, now it's going to take four hours, so just hunker down, and uh, no, we're going to finish up the whole story in one day, because we're going to notice some things um, about the story that I think will be surprising to you. So here's what happens. Gideon um, gets together, and he goes actually to, to camp out to start this battle between Israel and the Midianites, Amalekites, and some other eastern people, the Bible says. It says, early in the morning, Jeroboam that is Gideon, and all his men camped in the spring of Herod. Uh, the camp of Midian was north of them at the, uh, near the valley, uh, uh, in the va- valley near the hill of Morah. Now, um, this is really fascinating to me. Um, when you're reading the Bible and you're, you, 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 you ha- you're kind of noticing things, hopefully, if you're a good student of the Bible, and one of the things I noticed was this. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, we were just told that like, seven sentences ago. Like, we didn't need that. So either the writer thinks we're stupid, and it's like, oh, by the way, Jeroboam was really Gideon, but remember they named him Baal Kenten? You're like, yeah, I just scammed, skimmed up, and it's right there, okay? So it's not, like, we should already know this, but we're getting into something, and we'll see this even later. The, the, the writer of the book of Judges does it again. And, and there's this weird tension in Gideon's life, is he Jeroboam or is he uh, Jeroboam or is he Gideon? Like, which is he? And, and, and here's the thing that I believe for you and I. I believe everybody, myself included, has this weird tension in us of being spiritual and being fleshly. Like there's a part of us, and, and, and maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you're here uh, for the first time uh, you're, you're just deciding, you know, I'm going to start going to church and just I, just, I just need to change in my life or whatever. You're identifying with your spiritual need, you're, that kind of hunger that's in all of us, your soul. And, and so there's that part that wants to be like all for God and just you tell me what to do and I'm going to storm the castle and I'll do whatever and I'm not going to sin 
anymore, ever. Oh, this is it. There's that part of us. And then there's the, ooh, what's that? <laughs> you know, there's like our, our fleshly part that's like, well, you know, I said I wouldn't sin ever, but I mean, that doesn't, you know, just, this isn't really a sin. This is kind of a, just kind of a little sidetrack. So we're going to pop over here, then pop right back, and there we go again. No big deal. We all have this tension in us. Well, that tension can lead to really, really destructive behaviors, as we're going to see in just a little bit with Gideon. And so here's where Gideon is. Jeroboam, that is Gideon. He's on, the, on this camp. And guess what he did? He actually did a really good job. He got 32,000 guys to join him, which is pretty good. I mean, you're, you're, you're in the valley, and what, what the Bible says is it says there's so many Midianites and Amalekites. It says it would be better to try to count the sand on the seashore than to count all those guys. So even though you have 32,000, which is a nice amount, when you look out, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> Like we, need, we need more than that. There was, there was well over 100,000 people down, down there. It says they look like a swarm of locusts. That's what the Bible says. And so Gideon gets his army, and he's, he's all ready to go. And he's like, well, I guess God's going to do a miracle. Because it's like five to one, six to one odds. And so God comes, and he talks to Gideon. Here's what he says. Yeah, dude, you got too many men. And Gideon's like, are you out of your mind? Like, yeah, there's a lot of men, and thank you. I did a really good job. I got, I got I, you know, I put a thing out on Facebook, and I mean, everybody showed up. It was awesome. Congratulations, you got 32,000 friends. Good job, okay? And God's like, no, nah, there's, just, there's just too many men. It's just, it's just not going gonna, gonna to work. So, uh, why? Watch what God says. He says, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Because God knows something about human nature. He knows we're all like Gideon and we're all the same. We pray and pray and pray and God, please give me a job. Please give me a job. I'll do anything for a job. I'll, I'll never, I'll become a nun if I get a job. I'll do whatever. I just need a job. I need a job so bad. And then we get a job and we get promoted and you're just like, hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm manager. I'm the, you know, I'm the, now I'm the executive vice president and God's up there going, dude, I got you that job. Like you didn't even have a job. I got you the job. And you're like, yeah, no, that's cool. God, no, everything's great. Because what we tend to do as humans is we tend to love God and we want him to help us, but we don't want him to control us. So yeah, you got me the job, but I got the promotion, okay? So let's just like put it where it's supposed to go. Yes, you technically got me the job, but I took it from there and I'm doing fine now and I'll let you know when I need you. And this is just human nature and God knows this. And God says, look, you're gonna go down there with 32,000 men, which would be a miracle anyway, but then you'll look back on it and you're like, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, you know, we did a really great, that was really awesome of us. And so God, God knows this about us. And so, uh, so what he's asking them to do is to pare down, is to not go after this thing that, you, that brings you security. That, that, that thing you run to that brings you security that you run to before God, that is a problem. That thing, whatever it is, and it might be that you just, 
get on your Charles Schwab account and click refresh and see what the number is down at the bottom. And go, woohoo, everything's cool. See you later. You know, it might be, uh, you know, calling call some friends. You know, you're nervous and you don't, you don't go to God. You go to your buddies or you, you go to whatever. You go to an addiction. You go to a bottle. You go to some pills. You go to, uh, you know, something to help you sleep at night or whatever. That thing, whatever that thing is, if it's a relationships or whatever, that you go to before you go to God, that, that's an issue. And so what God is saying here is, I don't want there to be anything in the way that's going to hold you back from an intimate, powerful, awesome relationship with me. Jesus said it this way, I've come that you might have a life and you might have it to the fullest. Anything that gets in the way of that is bad news. And so, um, so this is what he says. And so he, 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 here's God's plan. He tells Gideon, okay, tell everybody who's scared to go home, okay? And so Gideon's probably thinking, Ask, okay, yeah, that makes sense too because we don't want scaredy cats in the battlefield anyway. So it probably works out good. You, we'll get rid of the scaredy cats and they'll go uh, run to their mommy and then you know, I'll have my army of real men and here we go. We're, we're going to go do it. And so he, said, he says that let anyone who's scared go home, 22,000 go home. Right? I mean, you can just see. Uh, imagine. Like 22,000 go home. It'd be like if I'm just like, look, anyone who really doesn't want to be here this morning, go ahead and leave. And you all leave. And I'm like, oh, man, I should ne- never should have said that. <laughs> right? No, feel guilty. Come back. You know, I don't know. But that's what happens. And so who knows what Gideon was doing? He could be like, you know, scaredy babies. You know, come in, you know go cry to your mommy. But he's got 10,000 now instead of 32,000. And so there, there's, there's where he's at. And so God's like, you know, Gideon's like, well, okay, now nobody can boast. And God's like, yeah, you know what? We need to drive that number down even lower. And so he says to Gideon, have everybody drink water and just watch them. Watch the way they drink. And so it came into two camps. There were some that kneeled down and kind of like slurped the water like that. And then there were others who brought the water up to their face, which I, you know, I, I, that's not how I would, you know, I don't know what I'd do, I'd, whatever, but it, it says lapped like a dog, okay? So Gideon is watching, and he's noticing that there's these two, you know, there's one giant camp of, of, of 9,700 people that drank water a certain way, and then there's these other freaky dog lappy people that are, that, that were there, and you can just imagine, because God hasn't told him yet which one's one, he's just like, Please be dog lappy people. Just please just get them out of here. Just don't, just make it the 9,700 and that's a good number. And God says, the 9,700, tell them to go home. And you just have dog lappy people. (laughs) And there he is. It's just him and 300 guys. Because God didn't want them to think that it was them. And here's what he says. The Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men that, that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. And so that night, God visits Gideon again. Now, now think about this. This is very fascinating to me. God has this open conversation with Gideon. He's talking to Gideon. God is talking to Gideon. That is awesome. I'll bet a lot of you here say, if God would just talk to me, my faith would go through the roof. I mean, if he showed up at night, I would just be like, how could you not have faith after God himself spoke to you? 
Well, this is what was happening with Gideon. God was speaking to Gideon. And so he comes at night, which had to have been freaky, but he comes at night to Gideon, and, he, and, he, and this is what he says. He says, during the night, the Lord said, uh, get up and go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. So now's the time. Go get them. Like, like I'm going to deliver my people. You got your 300 guys. Go do it now. Now imagine you're God, and you've got this big plan of the kingdom, okay, and you're going to rescue your people from the Midianites. And the person that you've chosen to do that is Gideon. And so you tell him, go get him. What do you think the next thing out of God's mouth is? You know, probably like, hurry, don't forget your sword. You know, I don't know what, you know, it's, this is what God says to Gideon. I just think it gives us so much insight into our Heavenly Father and how He deals with us as He begins to have us step out in faith. He wants us to take these steps of faith, but He also knows us better than we know ourselves. And so in the middle of the night, He says, hey, now's the time, go get them. And then He says this, if you're afraid to attack Go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. So God puts this on hold to allow Gideon to get stronger, to allow him to get rid of his fear. You know, just knowing our stories, you know, a lot of our stories. We've had times, I've definitely had times like this where I feel like God's telling me to do something and he's being so patient with me to be like and I'm like I know I need to do it Lord I know I need to do it I know I need to do it and I'm just wondering when he's just gonna go like you know like forget it I'm gonna get you know somebody else on staff to do it or whatever the you know whatever he says but he's so patient and and there's just these times so here's here's what he does he says go down to the camp and listen to what they're saying now for the life of me, I can't understand why Gideon was afraid to attack but had no problem just walking, waltzing right into the camp to listen to people talk. I mean, maybe there were so many people, it was almost like a city right there and they all look alike. I have no idea. But somehow Gideon ninja styles it and goes down into the camp with Pura, his, his servant, and he listens to some people talking. And it is so weird. So he listens to this guy who is talking about a dream he had the night before. Now, uh, I'll just share something about myself that you probably w- didn't know. Um, I hate hearing about people's dreams. I, I have no pain. Now, if it's the, you know, hopes and dreams, those are fine. You know, you want to start your own business. I'll listen to that. But like the, the time you turned into a giant donut man and was, you know, crushing, like, I, I don't, I, I, it's, it's a dream, like, it doesn't mean anything. Like, why are you telling me this, okay? I can't stand it. It's like, and then the, the roads were all made of pizza. Like, okay, okay, so you're weird. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that just shows you you're a bizarre person that was going around in your brain. What really freaks me out is when people go, I had a dream about you. That is the creepiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I don't Really? Like, ugh, I didn't have a dream about you, and if I did, I wouldn't say it. I would just, like, go, yeah. So, anyway, but that's a little side note that now you've learned something about me. But, but I just don't, I don't, try, I don't, who knows what dreams mean, but this is what happens. This guy, uh, Gideon, goes down there, and he listens, and this guy's like, dude, last night I had a dream, you know, which I would have been like, I'm out, you know, I don't care, but, but he starts telling dreams. 
there was this loaf of barley, and it was like rolling through camp, and then it ran into one of the tents, and the whole tent like went down, man. Right? Here's what the guy says. I don't know, God, this freaks me out. So his friend, instead of going like, dude, <laughs> you, you need to go back to school, he says this. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Really? From the loaf of barley? <laughs> It's like, dude, I had a dream, and I had like two celery sticks for arms. And it's like, that means that the Russians are coming, and they're going to take over America. I'm like, oh, wow. I don't know. I mean, like, how, how, how does that happen? Now, here's the thing that's so incredible to me about this. God orchestrated this for Gideon. This bizarre encounter where there's a weird dream about a barley loaf rolling around and knocking over a tent, and then his friend's just like, dude, I know exactly what that means. And then Gideon's just like, you know what Gideon does? He just starts worshiping the Lord. Because he knows God has brought this to him. When Gideon heard the dream and the interpretation, he said, these are some freaky people. No, he said, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp. I mean, he's so energized by this. He returns to the camp, and he tells everybody, get up, because it's, night, it's nighttime, they're all sleeping. Get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Now, again, I go back to this idea that God is doing something way greater than just Gideon here. God is rescuing his own people. God is saving his people. That's a big deal. And yet, in the while, he's able to work with Gideon. Hey, I know you're going to be scared about this, but I, got, I gave this guy the weirdest dream he's ever had in his life, and then I freaked out his friend. and watched. Just come, go down there. Check it out. Do you know that same, God does the same thing with you and I? That God's got a plan. He's got a kingdom. He's got something he's doing. And he uses you and I somehow. And, he, and we blow it. And, and, and we get scared. And we think, man, I don't want to do this. And yet he keeps going, I, I, I set up something for you over here at work. Just go ahead. And I loved what Adjua had to say during worship where, um, uh, you know, God hides things. And then when we find it, he's just stoked. I believe that's true. And I believe he just go, man, if you would just take one more little step of faith, you're going to find it, you're going to discover it, and you're going to be better for it. And so that's what happens, and Gideon's all pumped up, and you think, okay, here's a guy who hears from God, right, who's experienced signs and wonders. He's even made God do a couple, like do one and then go, yeah, that was pretty cool, but could you reverse it and see, you know, like, like this guy's, I mean, this guy's got it. What happens next is so sad to me, but I think is a warning to all of us. And what, what happens is he, he tells the midi, you know, tells everybody, come on, get up, let's go. And then, then he starts taking the leadership role that God had asked him to take. And he says, watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then you from all around 
will shout and blow, will blow yours and shout, okay? And so what he'd done, he'd gotten some, um, and I, again, we don't even know if like this was just his idea because we don't, God didn't say how to do it. He, Gideon just got this idea. And so there's, some, there's a torch and, and they let the torch smolder and they put a jar over it. So it doesn't have any light, but it's like just like ready to go. And the, and the jar stops the oxygen from, from, from fanning the, the thing. And then they'd break the jar and wave the torches, and that would ignite the, the torches from the oxygen there. And they'd have like the camp surrounded. Now, the cool thing about back in the day, this was how they would do battle. And for every torch, you would have a certain number of company behind you that, that was following, and same with the trumpet. So one trumpet, you might have uh, 5,000 people, you know, and then, so you, now there's three trumpets, okay, f- do the math, 15,000. They had 300 trumpets. So when you're down in the valley, and you see these lights that represent, you know, a lot of people, and you hear those trumpets, it's like, it's like oh man, and, and that's what happens. They, they do that, and it's just this unbelievable scene where they start turning on each other down in the valley, and they can't, they're disoriented and all this kind of stuff. But it's, before that happens, Gideon tells them to shout something. He says, Then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout. What do you, what do you think he'd want them to shout? Like, go team, you know, I, I, you know. We've got spirit, yes, we do. No, I don't know, right? Okay, so for me, I, I would think that he'd say, for the Lord. The Lord's given, the Lord's doing this. The Lord is rescuing his people. And we're going to step out for the Lord. And he actually does say that. And then Gideon, on his own, with his dual nature, the one that will say, for the Lord, adds one more thing just to shore up some stuff just in case it doesn't work. This is what he tells them to shout. For the Lord and for Gideon. (laughs) Can you imagine? You're the Lord up there and you're just like, dude, seriously? Two fleeces, I burn up lunch. I send you down and give somebody a trippy dream and then some other weirdo with the interpretation. I do all this kind of stuff for you. And you end up at the end of the day when it's time, when it's time to go in, you say, for the Lord and for Gideon. And you, you know what? When I was reading this story, uh, I got to this part and I was just like, oh, dude, what? How, how do you do that? And every time I get to a Bible story, whatever, where I'm like, dude, I'm really identifying with myself because I've done this type of stuff before where I step out in faith, but then I just want to make sure, just in case, I'm going to, you know, I just want to, I don't want to like just go throw all my chips in the thing. I mean, we might want to do this. And we do this all the time where we want to trust the Lord for our career, but then on the side, we kind of manipulate stuff in the office. Talking to different people about stuff just to make sure the career path has the least amount of resistance as we kind of move down the line. 
But we have, uh, you know, in our relationships, and, you know, it's like, you know, we're like, God, for some reason, has a single right now. And so we're single, you know, but we're, we're working the field just in case, you know, something pops up. We want to be ready, you know, just kind of have that whole thing. Maybe in our finances, we're just like, man, God has given this, but I'm going to hold back. I'm going to do this. We, we just do it all the time, and this is what Gideon does. I wonder how he said that. I wonder if he was like, for the Lord and for Gideon. You know, I don't know if he, or, or if he was just like so into it. And right now it's just, it's just, we're full force, but that's what happens. Well, you know, it's weird. Uh, God never speaks to Gideon again in the story. And Gideon never speaks to God. It just goes. And they kill 122,000 people and uh, win, win the battle. But as you read, Gideon begins to freak out. And he, he starts to really, you start to see this thing of where he, he's starting to use this for his own power and his own thing. And then all the fear, all the fear that should have been squelched by trusting in God is now squelched as he gains power, as he begins to feel secure. And so he goes through and... Uh, they go to these uh, two, um, these two uh, cities, uh, Sukkot and uh, Peniel. Okay, I, 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 Bob taught me how to say those words after first service. Okay, um, because I made a joke that the reason they were in Sukkoth is because the people sucketh. Okay, and then. <laughs> And then he was like, well, that would be really funny, except it's Sukkot. And I'm like, well, that would be really funny. Never. Okay, so anyway, I still like Sukkoth because it makes my joke funny, but it's Sukkot and uh, Peniel, and so that's where it goes. But, he, but here's what happens. So, so they're pursuing these two Midianite kings, and they get to Sukkot, and, they go, and Gideon goes, um, hey, I need some bread for my, for my guys. We're, we're, we're chasing these kings. And, and the men of Sukkot were like, uh, have you caught them yet? And he's like, no, we haven't caught them yet. Yeah, okay, well, we, you know, carry on. Like, we're not going to help you. And then you lose, and now those kings come back. They're doing the same thing Gideon did. They're sh- trying to shore it up, play it, play it to make sure, man. So Gideon basically says, I'm going to come back and torture all of you guys. And he leaves. Then he goes to Peniel, and he says the same thing. He says, I'm going to tear down. They have this big tower in the middle of their town. And he goes, I'm going to tear down this tower because you didn't help us. And so he goes, and he catches the kings. And, and it's just like he's, it's just like not, he's just weird. And he tells his son, his little boy son, he says, you, you kill those kings. You, you kill them. And, and the kings are there, and they, they make this fam- kind of famous thing, um, phrase, because um, they, go, they go, no, you kill us. You know, don't get your son to do it. Uh, so uh, so uh, as the man, so is his strength, you know. And, and peop- you know, theologians and different people have wondered what that really means. And um, I think I know what it means. Okay, so if I'm going to be killed by like, uh, by like a nine-year-old, I realize that's probably not going to be quick as the nine-year-old is like trying to kill me. So I get stabbed like 40 times until, you know, finally I die. So I'm like, dude, no, uh-uh, you do it and let's get this over with quick. But I was just my own thing. And so they come and they, and they, they kill him. It, the, the boy's too scared. And so, so Gideon kills him. Then he goes back and he tortures the people from Sukkot and he kills all the people in Peniel. He's just... What's going on? The Lord's not talking to him. He's not talking to the Lord. And then he, 
So it all ends, and the people are like, um, uh, I realize there's an extra J in there, but I messed up. Um, Gideon told them, uh, they ask him to rule over him, like, we'll be our king now. And here's what he says, and this sounds so spiritual, but w- w- with a dual personality like we all have, both our flesh and the spirit, we know how to, we know how to play both sides of the fence. So he says, uh, they said, I'll rule over you. And, um, and I, I, Would you rule over us? And he says, I, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And you think, wow, Gideon's really come full circle. He's not, but no, he just doesn't want to rule over them. He's got something else in mind. He's shoring up his bets. He's getting everything ready because that way, just in case, he's got something going on. And here's what he asked for. He says, I do have one request that each of you would give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was a custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. And so he said, with this, Gideon made the gold into an ephod. So for those listening to the podcast, what I've just uh, <laughs> uncovered is an outfit from Blades of Glory. Uh, no, it's, it's my... Uh, well, and I used to skate. I used to be an ice skater. No, um, this, yeah, some of your visuals were just like, oh, oh, ma, okay. So I wanted to find the most obnoxious thing I could find, and um, Lisa said, oh, I've got something, and so we went up into the, into, a, we had this, we have this little costume uh, thing for the kids, you know, where they get dressed up and all this kind of stuff, and so uh, this, this was in there, and it was from the 70s or whatever, but it's a, um, you know, it's just got sequins all over it, and it's shiny and all, all this kind of stuff. But, but this, is, this is what Gideon made. He makes this kind of shiny thing. He takes all the earrings, and he, and he makes this thing. And you know what, he, you know what he'd do with it? Um, they turn it into an oracle. And so you would basically come... It's kind of like a crystal ball or all that kind of stuff. You, you want to know, should I marry this man? And so you come to the, to the ephod and you say, should I marry him? And, and, then, and then the person who runs the ephod, uh, Gideon and his family, say, well, for $50, I'll tell you what the oracle is saying. And so then they, they give him $50 and he says, you know, um, they, they want to know if they should marry the uh, guy. And then he, he listens and he's like, you know, you know, okay, you know, pretend, you know, and all of a sudden he's, 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 getting, he's getting paid. So he takes this remnant of what the Lord did and he sets it up as an idol to enrich himself. Wow. Here's, here's what it says. It says, then all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. The thing that Gideon was using to kind of shore up became the very thing that was a snare to his family and a snare to himself and it cut off his relationship with God. Now, I wanted to bring the blades of glory thing out because it's so obnoxious and annoying and we would say, man, could you imagine they, they worship that? Those stupid people back there. Why would they do that? But this is just our career it's just, it's just whatever it is that you think you need to shore up because you can't trust God. 
It, it might be whatever. I mean, it, it might be your relationships. It might be that thing that you run to to go get meaning and purpose and all this kind of stuff. It, that, it's the same. We're the same. We're the same as the Israelites. We're the same as Gideon. That until we can take care of this, so we say, for the Lord. Oh, but then I'm also, but I, just in case, I want to make sure that I, this is, this is still okay, right? And this is what, this is what uh, God talks about. I, I, I wanted to show you something else. Gideon had 70 sons. I know, what an amazing woman, actually, you know. Wow, 70, that's, that's fantastic. Some of you guys complain. No, uh, what? oh, for he had many wives. Okay, my bad, I didn't read that other part. That was okay. Right. What's that all about? What's Gideon doing there? Well, in that time, if you had power, you would make treaties with the different places around. And the way you do that is by marrying up girls uh, and combining the families so that you watch their back and they watch yours. He's just, he's just got something on the side going on to make sure if this doesn't work, then I got this and I got this and I got this. I got the ephod business and I got, oh man, I got all this stuff going on. Oh, and I, oh, and I got a concubine in uh, Shechem too. And a guy who heard from God, <laughs> a guy who's seen all these things, this is where he ends up. Now, not to be a total bummer, um, but is, is there something? Is there something you run to? Is there something you are always thinking about? You're always checking out just to make sure that's okay, a career, or this, or that, or that, a relationship? Is there something? Because... It became a snare for Gideon and his whole family. See, when we don't trust in God, it's not just between us and God. It impacts all of those around us. When we do trust in God, it impacts those around us in a great way. And when we don't, it brings everyone else around. If you're running to something other than God, it will eventually show up in your relationships. It just does. I want to, as Audra comes up, I want to read one more um, verse. And uh, um, it's this one in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. This is what God would say to us. And kind of the same type of language as the ephod idea here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All of it. The whole thing. You can trust him. You can trust him. If he asks you to do something, you can trust him. If he asks you to give something, you can trust him. If he asks you to be quiet and not say anything, you can trust him. And do not lean on your own understanding, on the thing that you think, well, if God doesn't work it out, at least I still got this. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. As... Um, Ajua leads us in one last song. We take this time to reflect on what God has had to say through us, and maybe for, for uh, I mean, through uh, would have say to us. And um, you know, for you, maybe it's maybe it's there's just something in your life you're thinking. I know I, I, this is the first thing I run to. I got to get rid of it. I got to I got to get it put away. For others, it might be there's a little part of you that's like for the Lord and for insert my name here. And there's just something that the Lord wants to go, hey, you know, we just need to get, we need to get that handled. 
And so what we do during this time, we do three things. We prepare our offering, um, and if, uh, again, like we said, some people give online or whatever, we couldn't operate church without it, um, but it really has more to do with you and God. And so uh, we'd have that time, and if you do give online, take this time and remember that and go, God, you know, that check cleared, or I did that transaction a couple days ago. I just thank you for taking care of my needs. I, this just, I don't need to run to that. I can, I can trust you. Um, and then we fill out our connection cards, and we ask that every family fill that out because we, we, we want to know that someone's been here, and we want to know that someone hasn't been here so we can follow up with them. But those connection cards are super important when you get down to the part that says prayer requests because we get those prayer requests, and we pray for them during the week. And so uh, if there's one that's real personal, you just mark pastor only, and only Bob and I will see that. Um, and, so, um, and so you fill out those, those connection cards. Um, and then the last thing we do is we just want to just leave a little bit of room to hear from God. Maybe you've already heard from him as I've been talking and as we've been reading the story, but where you just say, Lord, is there something as obnoxious as this in my life, or is there something where I just find myself wanting you and something else, and I, I want to catch that early. So let me pray for us, and then Ajua will... Um, sing, and then I'll come back up and bless us. Lord God, we um, are thankful that during this process, you are patient, that you um, allow us to be scared, you allow us to fail. Um, But Lord, ultimately, um, you're also happy being silent and just letting things play out. Lord, we don't want to find ourselves down the road, worshiping something that isn't you, trusting in something that uh, can't satisfy. We want to trust in you with all our heart, not lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, submit to you, because we know we can trust you to guide us in our path.